You are Locked On Mavericks, your daily podcast on the Dallas Mavericks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is going to be huge. 360 in the contract, never that. I just take the contact, I'll bring it back. I'm running on the fast break, behind the back. Yeah, this, that, this, that, this, that. Dirk with the Mavs. Welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Engstead, media member at MavsMoneyBall.com, and I am joined by Rebecca Lawson. She's the editor-in-chief of Mavs Moneyball, and you know what that means. That means we have something deep to talk about and something really heady, Um, and she is a great person to talk to about that stuff. Rebecca, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Nick. Well, uh, as pretty much everybody that's listening probably already heard, um, the investigation results came back after seven months of investigating uh, independent investigators, apparently internal investigation. Cynthia Marshall was hired as a CEO to figure out the entire you know situation and all the problematic behavior that happened with the Mavericks um, workplace, you know, sexual misconduct with Tredema Ussery, the former CEO, with uh, Chris Hyde, as well as uh, Earl K. Sneed, who you all probably know, um, all those situations and things the uh, results came out and so that's what we're going to talk about today we're going to get into it this is a podcast pretty much solely um talking about that we'll be back tomorrow with you know maverick stuff fun stuff with you know talking about luca and doing player previews and doing all the fun things but this is something that that matters this is something that matters a lot and you know if you listen to this podcast that um sometimes it's you know sometimes it feels like you know when your parents have to sit you down and be like all right this is something we actually have to talk about because it matters uh, and it's important and that's what we're going to do today so we're going to we're going to talk about that and i brought rebecca lawson uh isaac wanted to talk about this but honestly i felt like rebecca would be better to talk about it with uh isaac is kind of close to the situation obviously and so um he wanted to be able to be here, um, but I kind of told him no. <laughs> I told him that I wanted to get a different perspective, different opinion, um, because Isaac and I are both straight white guys, <laughs> you know. And there's, uh, and we just need somebody else's opinion on this. So, Rebecca, just your initial thoughts, reactions—not a specific question—but uh, what's the first thing kind of that pops in your mind with uh, with all the stuff that kind of dropped today, the report and the results and everything. Yeah, well, um, you know, I appreciate that they took a long time to issue the report to get it right. And to me, that's one of the most important things when you're doing an investigation like this is to make sure it's independent, make sure it's thorough and make sure it's done right. And so my initial reaction was I was glad that they took the time that they needed to talk to the people they wanted to talk to um, and to just, you know, investigate what they needed to investigate to get the right stories out and to get the right results. So that I really appreciated that. But in terms of just, you know, actual reactions to the the punishment, you know, obviously Cuban was fined the maximum extent allowed by the NBA, which was two and a half million, and then agreed to do another 10 million in charitable donations on top of that, which to me personally feels very small compared to what happened. I mean, you know, the report did conclude that he was not aware of what, um, of the harassment behaviors going on with the CEO, but we all know that he was very aware of what happened with Earl. And there are some emails, you know, that were mentioned in the report where he, you know, was kind of aware of some of the behavior going on with Chris Hyde and yeah. some of the yeah. other employees. And so, you know, for him to say, I wasn't aware, like in hindsight, it would have done things differently. I mean, I guess that's kind of all he can say, but it just feels very, it feels very hollow considering all that we know that he knew and, you know, 
either didn't know or should have known. I mean, my initial reaction to all of this was like, okay, it's great that he's being punished, but there's still, it just leaves such a bad taste in your mouth knowing that he should have known about all this. Ultimately he's the owner and the buck stops with him and he didn't put in the effort to learn who his executives were to make sure that he had appropriate controls in place to control their behavior and to make sure ultimately that women in his organization felt safe to report things that happened in his organization. So, you know, the punishment was what it was. And I short of a suspension, I don't know if they could have done anything that would have satisfied people more. But you know, I think they still have a I think Cuban especially still has a long way to go to earn back the trust of the fans in this organization. Oh, for sure. Uh, I want to get to the idea of a Cuban suspension in a second, but the idea that Cuban didn't know anything is kind of something that's floating around right now. Something that people are saying it's in my mentions. I'm sure it's in the Mavs Moneyball mentions and yours. People yep. saying, "Well, I'm glad. I'm glad you know that it's true that Cuban didn't know anything." And that's not true. That that is not what we're saying. I, I quoted the uh, the report earlier today on Twitter, and, I, and it says the investigators found no evidence that Cuban was aware of. Mr. Ussery's misconduct. None of the 215 witnesses who were interviewed stated that that they informed Mr. Cuban of Mr. Ussery's actions. That just means he didn't know about Tardim Ussery's actions. Um, right. That he didn't know about you know the things that he did. And the report is public. You know, I've read pretty much all of it at this point. And you know, there's all these specific stories of things that happened, and a lot of them are just like small things. You know, touching someone on the arm. You know, doing things like that that wouldn't be this massive thing where a ton of people would know about it or see it. You know, it it, it you know not as small in in scale or scope, but like in not as small in impact is what I'm trying to say. Sure. Um, but as far as you know some a huge huge massive thing um he didn't know about those kind of things he did know obviously like you said about earl k sneed and he didn't know about chris hyde um and decided to you know that's where the investigation um they found errors on cuban's part when he brought back earl k sneed and even you know cuban was on the jump today with rachel nichols who did an excellent job um and he talked about how his <laughs> His whole thing with Earl K. Sneed was that he wanted to fix him. He wanted to be the girlfriend that fixed, you know, the boyfriend. He wanted to be the guy that was was there for him and fixed him. And that just it makes absolutely no sense. And that's a complete that's the complete oversight and error on his part. Um, the idea of the suspension um, with Mark Cuban is is kind of weird to me. Like, I people on our site have been calling like, why didn't he get a suspension? I saw you know people like Tim Kalashaw saying, why didn't he get a suspension? Um, what would a Mark Cuban suspension really accomplish? That's my question. What do you think that if they told Mark Cuban, all right, you have to step away from your team for a month, a year, you know, a whole season, what would that actually do? Do you think that would be a, you know, a fair punishment for him um, to do? And what would it actually accomplish? Well, I think it would accomplish a couple of things. First of all, it would send a message to all the women who were involved in this that what you did merits a punishment that actually takes you away, takes something away from you that you enjoy. Because so many of these women who were involved in this had their freedom taken away from them, had their choices taken away from them, and in some cases had to, make, had to make the choice to leave their job yeah. because they didn't feel safe in their workplace. And I think what a Cuban suspension would have accomplished is, you know, we all know how much Cuban loves sitting on the sidelines, cheering on the team, you know, being the backseat driver, you know, for the basketball operations side of things. Yeah. And what that would accomplish is taking away something he enjoys doing. 
And I think, you know, in a lot of ways, he can go on the jump and he can go out in the media and he can face the press and he can be contrite. And, you know, personally, I think Rachel Nichols did an amazing job of taking him down, just reading some of the worst parts of this report to him and just letting him react to them. Yeah, he took himself down, really. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, props to him for subjecting himself to that kind of thing. It seemed very clear that he kind of went on and, and didn't put any limits on her, which I appreciate. Yeah. And, you know, really, he couldn't have done that and it looked good anyway. But, you know, there's something to be said for being out in front of the media and having, you know, women who are especially women who are involved in this and see him being contrite and see him being taken down by someone like Rachel Nichols. But, you know, it's like being grounded when you're a kid. It's, you know, they could have taken away something he enjoyed as, a, you know, if, if even if it was nothing more than a symbolic like you did something bad. We're finding you, of course, but we need to do something more severe so that it sets an example for other owners who may or may not want to be involved in something like this, that you need to pay more attention to your team or this is what's going to happen. We're going to take control of your team away from you, at least temporarily. And, you know, there were some people who were calling for him to be forced to sell the team or to sell the team. I've never been of that mindset. It does. It does seem clear that there was some level of, you know willful ignorance of what was going on at least but you know i think the suspension for some amount of time half a season maybe feels like the right amount to me but i don't know there's there's really no punishment that can actually fix what happened but a suspension would have at least been more symbolic than like let's face it a 10 million dollar fine for a billionaire isn't really going to hurt his pocketbook a lot so and I think I think the idea of the fine wasn't so much to hurt Cuban as far as it was to let's make something positive out of this terrible thing. Yeah. Um, and so if you look at all that, there wasn't really a punishment, <laughs> I guess. Right. The, the punishment is that the Mavericks now have to do things the right way. Um, yep. So to be honest, I don't even see any kind of punishment being laid out in this. Uh, I'm glad that all these things are are you know, becoming the right way and they're doing a lot of things. There's a, a great quote from uh, Ann Milgram who was – and Milgram, 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 I believe Milgram. Okay. From the, uh, she was part of the independent investigation. Um, and as far as the Mavericks doing things right now, how are they, you know, fixing things and how are they coming about things now? This is an excellent quote. She said, I want to give an incredible amount of credit to Cynthia Marshall and her team. They have gone through and made strides in virtually all the areas we've highlighted, and that is deeply unusual. And I don't want to suggest that you can change 20 years of culture in six or seven months. But what they've done in our view is incredibly important and gives us great confidence in the organization. I think honestly, what saved Mark Cuban, you know, and, and saved the Mavericks and saved them from a lot of things. And I think there was no punishment that we talked about before because of the way Cuban responded to this and because of him bringing in Cynthia Marshall and allowing her to just completely overrun the, you know, the entire organization. There were zero um, women in you know, executive positions with the Mavericks. And now 47% of the Mavs leadership is now women. <laughs> and when one third is, is now people of color, that was a stat that they said on, on the jump today. Um, yeah. But the idea of Cynthia Marshall coming in and, and being able to, to override all that stuff and Cuban just handing over the reins uh, and doing that, I think really helped and saved him from any kind of punishment like that because he was willing. They are also the investigation said that they uh, were given every single you know piece of evidence they could find. They were completely cooperative, and the cooperation I think really helped him from not having you know a bigger suspension or you know another punishment. Yeah, and you know I actually have some interesting thoughts on that along that line of reasoning too. One of the you know you've mentioned the interview on the jump, and so have I. 
one of the things that really struck me was later on when um, when Rachel had Zach Lowe and Tim McMahon on. And Zach Lowe said something to the effect of, you know, people always say it's really hard to change a culture and bring in women and promote women, yeah, and people yeah. of color. But they managed to do it in a couple of months here. <laughs> and really all it takes is the desire to do so. And it was really clear to me and I think to everyone that before Cuban realized this was a problem, he didn't really necessarily have the desire or understanding that having women in positions of power in organizations really creates these positions of trust where women do feel comfortable coming forward when there are sexual harassment allegations because they have women to go to. And, you know, I'm an executive in a big organization myself, and I can't tell you how important it is that we have other women in our organization leading by example so that when things happen, I feel comfortable going to them and knowing that I'm going to be heard. And, you know, it is something that you can change overnight if you really want to and if you decide to pay attention to it. And I think that should be one of the big takeaways that everyone sees from this is, you know, changing a workplace culture isn't difficult to do if you want to do it. Yeah, it's the idea of um, we did this thing at this uh, internship that I went to where it was was sort of around like a boot camp. You have to do all these, you know, crazy physical exercises and things like that. And this, you know. Somebody would walk around and uh, they would yell at you if you're doing things wrong and be like, you know, straighter on that plank or, you know, go all the way down to your pushups and things. And so if you're doing a plank and, you know, you have your hands in front of you sort of in the pushup position, but, you know, straight out and you're supposed to keep your body as flat as possible. And they're like, hold that as long as you can, as straight as you can. And they would come up to you and be like, can you do that straighter? Can you do that better? Can you do, you know, a squat deeper or something like that? And if you adjusted at all when they said that, then you weren't doing it correctly. And it's yep. the idea of you can change if you really, really think about it. And you don't really realize it because you think you're doing it right, but you just yep. haven't evaluated it and you haven't looked at you know, you haven't looked at it and uh you kind of get caught. You know, you get caught doing yeah. it doing it wrong and doing it not a hundred percent. Um well, it's kind of that it idea. And what really struck me throughout all of that is, you know, you kind of go back to the very beginning when Cuban bought the team and the fact that like Usuri was a holdover from the previous owner and he didn't even bother to re-interview him. And if all he had done, if all he had done was re-interview him, look at his background, make sure that this is the guy for my team that I want leading my staff on the business side. If that's all he had done, maybe all of this could have been avoided. And so I think that's a good lesson to not only other NBA teams or sports teams, but other organizations to just, you know, make sure you're looking at leadership occasionally and, and, you know, making sure that your organization is on the right track and talking to your employees because it's such an important thing for any organization. Yeah, I thought it was interesting the point he made on the jump about about that, about how he didn't interview Tarima Asri, the CEO, yeah. um, when he first got the team. And he was already there. He had been hired by... Um, uh, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on his name. Um, Rospero Jr. Yeah, Rospero. Yeah, Rospero. Um, that he had been hired by him, and you were accountable. You know, Cuban is now accountable for that. And that the idea yeah. that he bought a team, it was his dream come true. It was the thing that he wanted, you know, so much, and all this stuff. And he just was completely, you know, enamored by the fact of owning a team that he didn't put the right work into it. And now, what is this? Twenty years later, it's now coming to bite him. <laughs> you know, to come yeah. back and bite him because he didn't put the the time and work into it and evaluating what he had actually acquired. Yeah. And something I want to say, too, is like, you know, for people who are listening and only hear negativity, I really appreciate the work that Cuban has done to make himself a better person in all of this. It really did seem watching the interview on the jump. It really did seem like he was contrite, 
that he had learned a lot about what it means in an organization to have women, you know, to empower women and to, you know, make sure women are heard. I mean, he does have a daughter or two, I believe. And, you know, the idea that he would be the kind of owner who is not friendly towards women is, I mean, considering the women they have in power on the basketball side of operations who are very impressive is shocking to me. And so, you know, I do believe that there was some level of willful, willful ignorance on his part, Yeah. but you know, that's not an excuse. And I think going back, he really has learned some lessons from how to do things right in this and going forward, he'll have the chance to earn back our trust. And I'm willing to give him that chance because I think he has learned from this and will continue to learn going forward. Yeah. Yeah. It's man. I, I personally was like, I looked up to Cuban, you know, as a, as a person that's like, man, he came from nothing and, you know, made this of his life and is doing all this stuff. And, you know, it was just this, you know, this, this figure that you look up to and you're like, man, one day, you know, maybe I could be like that or maybe I could, you know, do like that. And you see that he's super involved and he's, you know, investing, you know, on Shark Tank, doing all this stuff and you look up to him and then you see, man, like these are people, these are people that are sometimes they're way in over their head too. <laughs> you know, even right. if, even if you're a billionaire, you can be way over your head in things. And it kind of, you know, selfishly, I look at that and say, man, that makes me feel a little bit better about, <laughs> about my life. They're like, I feel in over my head on things and a billionaire can even be in over his head on something. Uh, now his obviously have massive consequences and consequences that affected, you know, a lot of other people. And those other people I, I want to talk about, I want to briefly mention, sure. I hate, I absolutely hate that today is about Mark Cuban and that today is, you know, it's just an indictment about Mark Cuban that we're talking about Mark Cuban all the time, that it's all about Mark Cuban when he didn't, he was not the one that, you know, sexually harassed anyone and that he was not the victim either. We, that, those are the two parties I think that we should be focusing on and almost no one is focusing on them. Yeah. It's, um, you know, really what you have to bring this back to in the end is there were victims in this. And I feel like they, you're right that they don't get mentioned enough in all of this. I mean, he did issue an apology and, you know, he does seem contrite, but there were victims in all of this who, you know, had to recount things that happened to them in the organization for this report. And, you know, props to them for being brave enough to come forward and yeah. recount the things that happened to them because, because they were brave enough to share their stories, it's going to make this a better workplace for everyone else. And I think that's important. But, you know, also talking about the people who were the bad actors in this. I mean, you know, Usuri has been yeah. mentioned. I mean, I feel like Earl has just kind of fallen off a cliff and like disappeared somewhere. And, you know. He just retweets things now. <laughs> I stopped following him a long time ago. So, you know, I didn't even know that he was on Twitter still. But you know, I mean, he's a domestic abuser. He was he was a convicted domestic twice. abuser twice and admitted and convicted. And that was that was an actual thing that happened. And this is a guy that, you know, I knew and who was nice to me. And yeah. it's just, it feels so disgusting now. So it's, you know, it's just so many of my memories of being in the locker room and being around these people now have such a negative connotation to them because of all of this. And that's that's sad. And it's, you know. Not it's not about me though. It's about these women who actually had to have their jobs and their lives affected because of this. And at the end of the day, I'm just grateful that they were brave enough to come forward to help change this. Yeah. What do you think of um, this? Is this has been mentioned before? Uh, nothing really, you know, new came out of this. But Mark Cuban didn't want to see Cynthia Marshall's 100 day plan when they first sat down. And, you know, the 100-day plan when Cynthia Marshall was first hired as the interim CEO and eventually became the full-time CEO, she had this 100-day plan of how to fix pretty much everything. 
And right. Mark Cuban didn't want to see it and still on the jump doubled down on that and said, I didn't want to see it. I just trusted her on this. It, like <laughs> Rachel Nichols on, kind I... of brought it. Brought, she called him out again. and was like, isn't this how you got into this problem in the first place? Yeah. And I mean, his response was his response was a fine one because I initially had the same reaction that Rachel did. And his response was basically like, yes, but I am taught. I hired this person. I know her character. I vetted her myself and I do talk with her regularly. Unlike the previous CEO who I did not hire, I did not particularly talk with regularly. So I kind of understand where he's coming from. But by the same stretch, I think, yeah, maybe do some, maybe do some reading guy. (laughs) Or at least have her walk you through it, I guess. Maybe step, maybe step away from the Stairmaster (laughs) conferences. Which he did, by the way, he, he didn't do the Stairmaster all last year. Did he? He, Yeah. That's good. That was a gimmick that I didn't really love. (laughs) I mean, it was, it was, it was funny for, you know, for us reporters, but the end of the day like maybe you know get out of your players way and let them do their job i i personally enjoyed it being able to uh interview a billionaire while he's like heaved over going up the next flight of stairs that continues to, to <laughs> oh it was him. fun no question <laughs> yeah mark cuban sweated on me it was definitely something i said at the thanksgiving dinner table <laughs> to my family that was impressive to them <laughs> um a couple things couple more things i want to get to and then we'll go um sure. what do you think of the idea that Adam Silver never suggested that Mark Cuban should sell the Mavericks. You know, I think that's fine. I mean, it, it disheartens me a little bit that the conversation wasn't even had, but I can kind of keep going back to, you know, the idea that everyone does deserve a second chance. And yes, the things that Cuban did in not supervising his team appropriately and allowing an environment to flourish where women didn't feel safe is really, really awful. But I don't know that it rises to the level of, you know, what Donald Sterling did, for example, which actually affected the players on the team. You know, all indications are this situation, the team itself wasn't affected. The team didn't know anything about this. And to, I don't know, it just seems so extreme for something that didn't actually affect the product on the court. And yes, it was terrible. And that's why I keep kind of coming back to the idea of, you know, maybe they should have kind of just taken it away from him for half a season with a suspension or something like that. But, you know, it's it's just, it's fine. Like, I just don't think he would have sold the team. I don't think this is something that, it sounds kind of awful to say, but I don't think this is something that rose to the level of forcing him to sell the team. And he is a very respected voice in the NBA in terms of, you know, he's kind of the guy that's willing to bring up issues to get fined, to make waves for positive changes in the basketball side of how things are done. And so, you know, from that perspective, he's a good voice to have. And he's a younger voice. There's a lot of these, you know, older white guys who own teams who were like super racist behind the scenes and, you know, super awful behind the scenes. And, you know, he's someone who is seen as more progressive and, you know, before this was seen as, you know, someone who was probably, you know, not racist, not sexist. I don't think that of him, by the way, before anyone takes me out of context. But, you know, <laughs> just, you know, he's someone who is seen as a more respected and younger voice in the NBA. And so the idea that he, you know, would have sold the team, I think that was going to be too extreme of a punishment for anyone. Maybe there are people that disagree with me, but I, for one, am just glad that, he's going to put the team and the business office on the right back on the right track. And, you know, going forward, 
you can only look back so much. You can look back and learn from mistakes, but going forward, I think what matters is that the changes are made and they're made in the right way. Yeah, it's a little ironic that Cuban is looked at as that progressive voice that's, that's you know willing to make waves and willing to you know try to push the envelope and try to you know try to make changes, and that this happened to him. <laughs> you know, this happened to yeah. this team. Uh, it's a very ironic. It's also yeah, it's it's very ironic in that sense. But um, and it's also weird to me. Last thing that I, I just want to say is that if this was any other business, if this was like, you know, AT&T where Cynthia Marshall used to work, or if this was, you know, something else that something that didn't have a massive platform and massive interest because of the basketball side, we wouldn't talk about this at all. And I'm sure this happens in a lot of other businesses and a lot of other, you know, places and it wouldn't have this big of an impact or it was kind of funny. It was hilarious to me watching the, um, the press conference and you can actually go back and watch it on DVR, um, on mavs.com slash rebound. You can go watch it if you'd like, um, watching reporters like ask these questions about this, you know, workplace react, you know, like harassment suit and all this stuff. Uh, and even, you know, me talking about this on a podcast because <laughs> we wouldn't do it for any other business, but because we care about the basketball side, cause there's so much interest that now it's this massive story that now we are, you know, entrusted in covering. <laughs> it's yeah. just kind of funny to me to, that it became that. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's an important thing and it's an important thing for all organizations, you know, I do work for a big company and I can tell you that these kinds of things are taken very seriously um, at big companies and, you know, public companies and the Mavericks for, you know, are essentially a public company and not, and I, by that I don't mean like publicly traded or anything like yeah. that, but just a, a, something that's in the media. Spotlight. Public facing. Yeah. Public facing. There you go. And yeah, it's, um, you know, for public facing companies, these kinds of things are going to get uncovered and they're going to be brought to light. And I think that's a really good thing. And it's, you know, as someone who is a woman and who is in a high powered industry, it's something that is so important that we get right because it's affects so many people these days. And, you know, especially with the me too movement and all of those kinds of things, women, women need to feel comfortable reporting this kind of thing. And it's, you know, we're taking baby steps these days, but they're, they're incredible they're big baby steps in the right direction. And it makes me hopeful for the future of women in all industries and especially sports. Yeah, definitely hopeful. Uh, I think that's kind of what we, we took away from today is that it looks like the Mavericks are headed in the right direction. They're under, under new management and that they're flourishing under that as far as, you know, the changes that need to be made. And, uh, um, yeah. So Rebecca, thanks so much for joining us and talking to us about this and giving your perspective. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Nick. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening to Locked On Maps. We will be back tomorrow with another episode and then media day on Friday. It's, it's here already. It's wild. The season's going to start and we're going to actually have some real basketball to talk about. Thanks so much for listening to Locked On Maps. <laughs>